Welcome to Trib Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Is a stream that runs through private property private, or should the public have access to that waterway? It's a question that's vexed recreationalists like birders and anglers on one side and farmers and private property owners on the other. A bill working its way through the legislature is being billed as a compromise, and today on the program we're talking about HB 37 and if that bill will settle the question once and for all. Joining me on the Google Hangout today is Randy Parker, who's uh, CEO of the Utah Farm Bureau Federation which represents more than 29,000 farmers and ranchers in Utah. He's here in the newsroom with us. And Randy, good to see you. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Jennifer. Good to be oh, here. Also with us, Chris Olson. He is president of the Utah Stream Access Coalition, which supports access to Utah waters and stream beds. And he's also here in the newsroom. Uh, Chris, great to have you. Thank you so much for your time as well. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's great to be here. And Tribune Outdoor Editor Brett Prettyman is with us as well. In a former life as a columnist, he expressed opinions on the stream access issue, but he's with us today in his capacity as environmental reporter. Brett, welcome back. Thanks. I'm glad to be here again. And you can join our conversation today. We want to hear from property owners, from anglers, from others affected by the stream access issue. Do you think HB 37 will help or hurt? If you've got questions or comments, send them along to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+, or put them in the comment section of our page at sltrib.com. Uh, Brett, as you noted in your, uh, your story yesterday, access to streams has been a point of contention for, for literally decades, uh, but the issue sort of elevated um, since 2008. Maybe before we get into what's happening right now on Capitol Hill, uh, give us a bit of, of context for this issue. How, how has this debate evolved leading up to the Supreme Court case that, can, uh, that was considered in 2008? Going back to the early 1990s, there was a um, debate amongst anglers thinking that the, the law, as it was in, being interpreted, was, was incorrect. And it eventually was, um, in fact, as the Utah Supreme Court ruled, wrong in that the public did have access. Um, and so that really did change things up. Uh, the legislature was quick to act and, and uh, you know, passed a, a law that, that took away and set that precedent um, in, you know, opposition to what had uh, the Utah Supreme Court had ruled. So it is something that's been going on for a long time, and uh, I fear that it will probably continue for a long time. Hmm. Uh, so a case considered by the Supreme Court in 2008, in 2010 the state legislature uh, sort of went the other way, restricting access. Last year a state court judge overruled that, so a bit of battle of the bills here. And now uh, today we've got uh, HB 37, uh, the Public Waters Access Act. Uh, it's sponsored by Representative Dixon Picture, Pitcher. Uh, what would it do? Jennifer, let's uh, step back to your comment in 2012 that a, that a judge uh, had had uh, overturned that. Uh, that's not completely true. He he he's expressed his opinion, but we're still going to the evidentiary portion of that trial. So, you know, that's that's a little bit uh, of an expansive statement at this point in that lawsuit. Okay, that, forgive that's me, right. Randy. Yeah, I'd agree with Randy on that one. We are. Uh, 
going to finish up at a trial level sometime this spring, and then and then we'll go from there. Okay, forgive me, gentlemen, for the error. Um, uh, back to HB 37. Uh, Brett, what what is this piece of legislation? Um, how would it be different from what we've already heard? Well, it's, it's you know, I, I think that the Anglers, um, the Stream Access Coalition is, is totally, um, you know, trying to keep this as, as open and as a public as a thing as possible. It's not the first time they've tried to, to be uh, the compromise type of bill. They're selling this one as compromise, and that is, is what it's feeling like. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, it, it's not asking for as much as they could maybe get in a lawsuit and in a decision. Um, it's saying, look, we, rec we recognize that landowners do own the land um, and that we uh, we respect that, but that we ask that you respect our right as the public to the stream bed and to recreate um, in the stream bed, as the Utah Supreme Court ruled. So uh, they're they're slugging it as you know this uh, this compromise idea, and it's you know it, they tried it before, it didn't get much reaction, or it got a lot of reaction in the opposite way of what they wanted. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that's what English are were saying. Okay, but, and about uh, 400 people rallied at the Capitol yesterday. You were there. What happened? Uh, it was, you know, it was. It's impressive. It was similar to ones they've had before. Uh, it's the third time they've met on the Hill to, to address this and um, show their feelings about something that's very passionate to them and uh, and it's it's important uh, to them and and to a lot of people outside of you know not just angling and and other recreational circles. That there's yeah. going to be some impacts down the road that that uh, people maybe not have considered completely. Hmm. Now we're talking about HB 37, which some say could be uh, an effort to bridge the divide over public access to waterways, and uh, we invite you to join us with your thoughts and questions. Uh, you can send them along to the, uh, the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+, or put them in the comments section of our page at sltrib.com. Um, Jennifer, Jennifer, this is Randy. Could I uh, just uh, uh, make, a, make a note here? I know... Uh, uh, Brett uh, has, has presented this as a compromise legislation, but the reality is this is mostly uh, Representative Lori Falk's bill from 2010 that the legislature had a choice between uh, uh, Representative Falk's bill and Representative McKiff's bill. Uh, we, we debated what what is being portrayed this year as a, as a compromise there's there's not a lot of compromise here. We we've we haven't been in any discussions that said, hey, we're we're willing to to, to only go this far. There, a compromise has to have both parties involved in it to be called a, a legitimate compromise. What they've done is they've uh, packaged uh, Lori Falk's bill, which which was uh, I mean, there's not a lot of differences in that. And, and said uh, we're going to portray this as a compromise bill. Well, when you say that, you sound like you've got uh, buy-in from the landowners. Those people have been paying property taxes on those stream beds for generations, like like they're okay with it. And 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 that's uh, that that's just not factual. Hmm. Okay. Well, Chris, I'd like to get your take on it. I mean, why are you calling it a compromise if indeed not all of the parties involved do agree? Well, I actually I want to I'm I'm glad that Randy brought that up. Um, the, you know the reason that we're we're coming through this is as he mentioned. You know we had these two competing bills in the uh, in the 2010 legislative session. Lori Falk brought up HB 80. Representative McKiff brought up House Bill 141. And you know we went through the we went through the process there. And at that time you know it ended up that uh, House Bill 141 was the bill that ultimately passed. So since then we've. Uh, 
you know, we felt that our rights there uh, were maybe the pendulum swung a little too far in one direction, and so then we challenged that uh, with a couple of, di of different lawsuits. Um, you know, we, we feel that this is a, a compromise for a couple different reasons. One, it, it, it restricts access in a very, very specific manner. It doesn't allow for trespass, littering, vandalism, any of these, these things that have been, uh, you know, concerned in the past. It doesn't allow people to walk across your property to get to a stream, for example. You have to stay within the ordinary high water mark, which, as Randy mentioned, that was, that was a part of, of, of Lori's bill this last time around. But really, this is much simpler than, than what we had um, the first time. This is, uh, it's, a, it's kind of an elegant bill. It's based on Idaho law, and it's a, it's a model that's worked there for nearly, nearly 40 years. So when we say why this is a compromise, if we look at what we could, what we could get back, as, as Brett mentioned, if these lawsuits go all the way through the courts, that would turn this back over to the Knatzer decision, potentially, return all waters of the state back to the public, and then we'd find ourselves back in the same situation where we're trying to balance these property rights and these public rights. And, and that's why we're here right now trying to say, look, we'll give up these smaller waters, we'll give up these smaller streams um, for, the, for the use of some of these, these larger rivers that the, that the public pays for. I, I want to back away from the, the specific legislation for a moment sure. and just ask each of you philosophically, like, uh, maybe Chris, start with you. Why do you think that waterways should be considered public while land can be privately owned? I mean, how how is water different from land in your mind? Oh, that's a that's a good philosophical question. I mean, the the water is is a public resource. You know, the the water belongs to all the people. And and it, as far as you go back, even uh, you know, to the Utah Constitution, while while property is protected, the water uh, rights to you use the waterways and to use the water are also protected. So, you know, um, what we're not asking for is is any sorts of appropriations or changing any of if the way that the water is managed. We're just asking for a very limited use to it. So, hmm. that's that's my answer. And Randy, again, on that higher plane, that philosophical plane, we've already got no trespassing laws in place. I mean, what is the harm with people walking through the waterway, which uh, if you assume, as Chris does, that water is for everybody? Well, uh, and, and I think it's a fundamental principle uh, of, of property rights. When, when you think of somebody that's paying taxes on their property, and they are on those stream beds, and, and there's, a, there's, there's an issue of, uh, um, of protecting your, your animals on that private property or, or outside of the stream when, when they go through. Uh, they're, they're, there's livestock involved and there's concerns about uh, scaring them and that kind of thing. There's also the rights of uh, the property owners uh, to, to have some solitude. Uh, we've heard uh, stories about uh, uh, you know, and they're unruly and, and probably not people that Chris would embrace, but uh, uh, attacking people as they've uh, uh, walked down waterways in people's backyards or, or, or out in, in rural where they've had uh, uh, their, their homes up to the stream bed. So it, it's a matter of property rights, and our Constitution guarantees uh, property rights, and it, it says that, they're, that you can't uh, impact somebody's property, take it without compensation, and that includes diminishing the value. Now, if you go back in, uh, in, in, in state law, and, and uh, Chris brought in uh, the Conatzer decision, well, if you go back to 1982, when the original JJNP decision that kind of put this into, into motion took place, they based their decision on a, a court ruling out of, 
out of uh, Wyoming that said that they had the oppor opportunity to, to float because the waters belong to the citizens of the state. So floating has always been embraced as a right of the citizens. It's when you walk on that private property. Now we're trying to figure out from our standpoint and, uh, and, and, and the legal issues that suggest that the property is is not the private property of the individuals. And that was quite a stretch in the Conatzer decision uh, that they said uh, that, 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 that there is an easement there, but they didn't uh, underpin that with anything. In fact, there, there was no constitutional mention, no legal mention of how they jumped from the JJNP, the opportunity that you have to, uh, uh, to float, to walking on the stream beds. There's no, no legal underpinning. The Constitution, if the Constitution said that, they would have they would have cited that rather than saying because it's not spoken of, we make our own rule. Now that them making their own rule invites the legislature in, in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, HB 37, what how does it define the when the private abuts the public, I mean, is it at the st the streamline or is there an easement, uh, Chris Olson? So here's where uh, what HB HB 37 is trying to do. And again, we we said we modeled this after Idaho law because you know back in the 70s when this came through, um, and Idaho was trying to figure out how to deal with this very similar situation. Um, you know, they 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 look to their history and and uh, indeed we're looking to ours and it. The way that it works is it creates a test, and the test that's in the in the bill right now is that if the if the river or stream will float a six foot long, six inch diameter log, or can be floated by recreational watercraft such as a kayak or you know motor propelled watercraft, um, then that is quote unquote uh, public access water, and that's that's open for recreation. Now, let me mention again that that is only open for recreation in a very, very limited manner in which you can use it. You can float through it, as Randy's mentioned, as, as, as a perfect legitimate uh, use of the resource. Um, the other ways uh, is has to do with this uh, concept of the ordinary high water mark, and above that high water mark, you're trespassing. It's pretty night and day clear in the law that if you exceed that ordinary high water mark, you are trespassing. Hmm. Uh, speaking with Chris Olson, he's with Utah Stream Access Coalition. Also with us, Randy Parker with the um, Utah Farm Bureau, as well as Tribune outdoor uh, reporter and environmental reporter Brett Prettyman. And we're talking about HB 37, if it does indeed represent a compromise bill on stream access. If you'd like to send your thoughts along to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+, or put them in the comments section of our page at sltrib.com. We've got a lot of comments. Um, this from Ski Patch. I see streams and rivers as public assets. Part of the commons, just as rain and air are, are shared common resources. Ownership of streams and rivers is a contrivance, an invention, but ownership of access to them is slightly different. It bridges proper property rights and land ownership. Um, what do you make of, of, of that as a, a distinction between ownership and ownership to access. Uh, Randy Parker? Uh, we're, we're a country that uh, w was founded and based on proper private property rights and in the state of Utah the, the founders of the state of Utah chose to allow the streams to be held privately. We don't have a public trust doctrine uh, established in Utah. We're not a public trust state and therefore the gentleman that uh, or the, uh, the the lady that just responded or you you commented from 
really uh, is, is talking about a state that has uh, a broad public trust doctrine. Utah doesn't embrace that. Mm. Uh, do you want to chime in on that, Chris, at all? Um, you know, I think the details of the public trust doctrine. Uh, you know, as Randy mentioned, that's actually one of the one of the grounds for the one of the lawsuits that we have challenging um, challenging House Bill uh, uh, 141 from 2010. Um, and whether or not that plays out one way or another, I think we're going to have to leave leave the the courts to to decide that and determine if that can be applicable towards recreation. Well, and, and we'd like to see this uh, work its way out through that uh, mechanism anyway. Uh, uh, Mr. Poland, Judge Poland, has made some comments, but uh, his underpinning of, of his decision that comes out of the Utah Constitution and embracing uh, some kind of public trust, uh, we don't believe it's there. So again, uh, we would be hopeful that the legislature would allow this to work its way through the courts because we think that there needs to be a constitutional underpinning that just isn't there that uh, Judge Poland has, has referenced. Hmm. Uh, another comment, Nick Givok, I believe. Uh, if Utahns are successful with this fight to regain access to their public streams, it will be interesting to see if they build on that to reverse the trend of complete privatization of the state's public wildlife. It was Sportsman for Fish and Wildlife that helped push this bill to limit stream access using funds generated by its share of the sale of hunting licenses at an annual auction. It's sad to see a state where the regular hunter and angler used to enjoy great opportunity in a state that's 70 percent public land lose out to privatization of those public resources. Um, uh, I'm going I'm to jump in, Jennifer, okay, Randy, if I could. And, and, and you know what? That just hit on my, my point that uh, about private property. We only have about 18 percent of the state of Utah that's privately owned. So the, the people that love to get out and recreate, whether that's on waterways or whether that's on uh, federal lands, pri public lands, state lands, there's a heck of a lot of it out there. So I guess it's a little bit, uh, we, we, we feel like we need to protect and uh, hunker down in protecting the, the limited private property that we do have here in the state of Utah. Oh, Chris, so respond to that. I mean, if you've got a lot of public playground space, why do you need access to, to private landowners' um, streams that run through their, through their land? Well, I think I think there's a couple ways that we can look at it. You know, as Randy mentioned, there's only so much land, and there's only so many rivers in the state. Um, when we look at the uh, the miles of river, for example, that uh, that have been quantified, that was actually lost by House Bill 141, it's somewhere to the order of about 2,700 miles uh, of waters that were lost in the state. And that's, I mean, that's a tremendous amount. When you think about a dry, arid region such as Utah, I, I don't, I didn't think that 2,700 you know miles would would readily be available. But when you when you um, Start considering, you know, the fact that um, some of these do flow over private property, and when we look at this overall privatization, as the as the commenter mentioned, uh, with regards to with regards to wildlife, we look to keep continue going down the slippery slope. For example, let's look to our neighbor to the east. If we look at Colorado and the amount of anglers that go to Colorado, Colorado has extremely restrictive access, and they don't even allow you to float over private property. We go even further and we look to towards England, for example, where they've had these these King's Land grants um, uh, established for so long, you can't even get on the, on the areas to recreate. Um, without paying some sort of a, a rod usage fee or something along those lines, so you know this is this is why we're we're having this this conversation is because we really believe that you know the the public has a right to the, utilize this resource and we don't want to see it get all tied up and and developed and and only for the benefit of the few. 
Hmm. I want to get to some more comments. Uh, uh, this email came from uh, John Weiss. Uh, the claim is that stream access will lower the property values of land with rivers and streams flowing through them. I've been looking for a second vacation home in Montana or Idaho, both states, with open stream access laws. I've found that the price of lands with rivers and streams on the property that are appropriate for recreation to be much more expensive than lands right next to them without the waterways. It should be the other way around, but clearly it's not. And he wants to ask this question, why not, to Randy Parker? Well, you know, that's an interesting uh, uh, comment coming from John, and, and I appreciate it. But but here's the deal. We've had basically 100 years of, uh, of, of real estate uh, uh, transactions that have gone on. And all of those, or many of those, until the recent muddying of this water, so to speak, Chris, till the water became muddied on, on this issue and, and, and being able to control access to your land, those properties that had a stream running through them that provided that solitude and you, you could control access did sell at a, at, at a higher price. And so by, ch by changing that dynamic here, in my, in my humble opinion, we've actually violated the diminishment provision of Utah's Constitution and in regards to taking. Now in the in the situation of Montana or Idaho or, 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 or elsewhere, those states have dealt with access and so the, the property values have, have dropped or risen based on that being part of the market dynamic. That's not the case in Utah, John. If I may... um, uh, Chris, you want to chime in? Yeah, if I can just say one, one thing about that, you know, Randy brings up a very good point. If, if there is any change in, in property value happening right now, you know, whether or not you can ascribe that to there being increased access or whether or not you can, you, you can uh, mark that up due to the fact that this is uh, being contested right now, um, you know, that's, that's something I don't think we can really draw a conclusion of. I would point out, you know, like the Big Wood River, for example, in Idaho. I mean, they, this is a great premier trout stream, and, and in Blaine County, I mean, that's some... Very beautiful and very, very expensive real estate up there. Mm. Uh, this comment from Ammon, 1953, I agree that water is life and therefore extremely necessary for the farmers. What would each party be willing to give up to satisfy an agreement? So if HB 37 is not the compromise that would satisfy all parties, what would such an agreement look like? I mean, it, does, does the decision have to come from the courts um, to... To, to make this issue go away? Uh, Jennifer, I think that it, it has to satisfy the constitutional protections in Utah that are related to property rights, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, Judge Poland has his vision of what the Constitution grants, and, and most other judicial scholars don't embrace that. That's why we think that we need to have a Supreme Court uh, look at, at this and see if, in fact, we do have a public trust doctrine in Utah that is hidden somewhere within the, the, the Utah Constitution. Certainly there are things that one of the earlier uh, commenters said that the, wa the air, the water and those things that uh, are, are part of the public and are held in trust is absolutely correct. But the water that the streams run across doesn't have that same dynamic. And, and in fact, in, in Louisiana, where they have an awful lot of water, they had a, they had a case down there, I think it was the uh, third or fourth uh, uh, Court of Appeals, the uh, District Court of Appeals, and they ruled that just because the water doesn't or runs across a, a, 
uh, private property does not give a claim to the private land under it. That that's a that's a circuit court or appeals court decision uh, that that's that's still in place today. Hmm. Uh, Chris, answering the question, I mean, what would you be willing to give up to 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 breach some sort of compromise, true compromise? You know, um, uh, honestly, I, I, we have, we as anglers feel like we've given up. Well, not only as anglers, but as kayakers and bird watchers have given up a tremendous amount to this point in order to actually, actually get to uh, what we're presenting with House Bill 37. Like, like, uh, you know, Randy mentioned, the const this, whatever compromise we come to has to agree with the Utah Constitution, and we believe that the Utah Constitution allows us uh, an easement to use all waters in the state, and so by restricting them down to this very specific subset, uh, we feel like that's that's reaching a compromise. I, I'd be more than happy, as always, Randy, to sit down and discuss this even more if you want to all come we, to the table. I, uh, and, and Chris, I appreciate that because we, we went through about a year and a half with Ted Wilson trying to facilitate it, uh, a, a compromise and a discussion, and, and, and bless his heart, there are just some, some, some pieces of this equation that are very difficult for your side and for my side. The, one of the very fundamental basic pieces of this is private property rights. And that's underscored by the fact that these people have paid property taxes on that. And those properties have been established, at, in my opinion, at a higher value because they had the aesthetics of the stream and they also had the solitude of being able to control people coming onto that. So there, there, there's a constitutional uh, diminishment of value issue here, Chris. Uh, well, this comment from Jim McGeever, uh, if taxpayer money support the maintenance, mitigation, culinary assurances, and in many cases the stocking of fish in the very waters that the public is now denied access, shouldn't those landowners then be forced to pay more taxes to offset the inability of the public to use and enjoy resources they're paying for? Um, Randy, an interesting <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it, What do you so, think? So is he suggesting that uh, we, we ought to screen all of those uh, rivers as they come in. Uh, I don't think that would be good for anybody, the, the property owner or the angler. And in fact, my argument is, is those areas that are, are protected become uh, havens for fish to, uh, to, 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 to benefit from. And, and everybody benefits from that as they move out of those, uh, those private, uh, privately held streams back into to the public waters. The, 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 they haven't been loved to death, and that's why my, my view is that's the reason why a lot of people want to get on those, on those rivers. They haven't been overfished, and that's where a lot of the fish uh, are, are available at this point. You know, that's a real interesting point that you bring up, Randy, and the idea that you know that uh, of loving to death of your resource. And you know, I I, I would counter to argue that that when you have uh, a people out there that do indeed love their resource, it benefits not only the 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 public for being able to be out there, but it also benefits the private property owners because they end up having an extra set of eyes on their property. If if for example a gate gets knocked down or their cows are out in the river or something along those lines, you can come back and you can knock on the property owner's door and say, hey, do you know that something something's going on here? So. I, I, <clears throat> Chris, I appreciate your thought, but uh, the, the the reality is 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 just the opposite is happening out there. Uh, we're we're seeing a lot more fences taken down, a lot more garbage deposited, uh, a, a a lot more uh, uh, unworthy things that are happening on those private properties. In fact, I have some depositions that I brought with me 
from the, 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 the court in uh, Camus, or I mean, excuse me, in Heber, that, that point out where fences were knocked down, where garbage was left, where, uh, where, where humans left their, uh, their markings behind. And, and those are just things that private property owners shouldn't have to deal with. And uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking I, I couldn't, that... I couldn't agree with you more, Randy. I, I absolutely couldn't agree with you more that these we have the laws in place for vandalism and trespassing and, and you know, the, the leaving of waste on people's property, as you mentioned. And, you know, it, it, sound, it sounds to me, unfortunately, like we have, a, we have an issue of enforcement of existing laws. Hmm. Uh, we've only got a couple minutes left, gentlemen. Um, uh, we spent most of our time talking about HB 37, but there is another piece of legislation floating around sponsored by uh, Representative Kay McKiff. Uh, Brett, give us the lowdown on HB 233. I'm not as familiar with it as I should be. It is something that I believe is just um, continuing to strengthen the existing law and uh, further address uh, possible changes that uh, might be done with stream access in Utah. Uh, it's just strengthening and, and cleaning up as, as I understand it. So it probably is it, not, that's probably why it's not gaining as much attention. It's it's also um, rumored to be the reason why this uh, HB 37 is stuck in rules committee because they're waiting for both to be there at the same time so they can look at them side by side and see um, what's going on. Well, I guess uh, my final question to um, our guests is, so is, is, is HB 37 the answer? If it passes, we're done? Um, or are we still going to be mired in this whole legal battle? Um, Chris Wilson? You know, uh, the truth to that, Jennifer, is I think we have to wait and see what happens. You know, whether or not, if, if HB 37 is given the chance to pass um, and to succeed in here like it has in Idaho, I'll say full disclosure, I'm born and raised Idaho boy. You know, my, my, my parents and my in-laws have property on the Boise River. And we've seen it work there. I've seen it work there up until I moved down here. And, um, you know, I, I, I would love to, I'd love to see it give it, give it that same chance. Mm-hmm. Randy Parker, if HB 37 passes, end of story? Well, I, I don't think so because we still have uh, a, a legal issue here. We still have, is, is there an under, a, a constitutional underpinning of taking away people's property, private property, or diminishing that value without just compensation, and that's what a HB 137 would do. So I think we still need to have that constitutional underpinning on either side of this equation and understand what the public trust doctrine relates to those privately owned uh, stream beds. Okay, well I guess that's one thing you can both agree on. <laughs> HB 37, not end of story, and uh, Randy Parker, Chris Olson, and uh, Brett Prettyman, thank you very much for the time today. Thank, thank you, you, Jennifer. Thank you. You can find full coverage of the 2014 Utah Legislative Session on our website, sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks so much for tuning into Trib Talk today. We'll see you next time.